This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. A Mississauga long-term care home operator is facing a second $20 million lawsuit for allegedly failing to protect residents and staff amid COVID-19. The plaintiff, Yet Doe, launched the negligence and wrongful death lawsuit against Schlegel Villages after his 88-year-old father, Mindo, died at Aaron Mills Lodge of COVID-19 on April 24th of this year. The claim, which hasn't been proven in court, alleges that Schlegel did not comply with directives issued by the province and health authorities, not isolating individuals with COVID-19 from non-infected people and failing to provide staff with PPE. Meanwhile, numbers compiled by the Globe and Mail show that three dozen nursing homes in Ontario have accounted for 55% of the province's COVID-19 deaths in long-term care. So just over a thousand of the 1,847 deaths in long-term care were in 36 older homes where residents sleep in the same room and share bathrooms. So is the key factor here design? And what else is at play? And uh, we want to drill deeper on the nature of the lawsuit. I want to hear from you. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Do you have a friend or a loved one in a home, an older home that shares a room? What is your situation? Right now, let's go to Gary Will, who is a managing partner at Will Davidson LLP, and Jane Meadus, staff lawyer and institutional advocate at the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Welcome and thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having thank me. You. Okay, let's begin with Gary Will. So this is a second lawsuit against this home. And uh, what are the allegations here? Well, the, the allegations uh, against this home are, are quite similar to the allegations against a, a lot of other homes. Uh, in Ontario, and that is primarily they didn't take uh, proper care of their elderly residents. And uh, by that, I mean they didn't properly uh, screen and isolate uh, people with COVID and protect their other residents uh, from catching uh, COVID uh, from these infected uh, uh, residents. Um, what you said in the uh, introduction is quite right. We've heard of a number of uh, circumstances where uh, four people would be sharing a room. One of them would have COVID. The other three didn't. And uh, this home felt that this was the, the appropriate uh, way to deal with this. Uh, it's it just uh, uh, ridiculous. Uh, anyone with any common sense uh, would say that you have to isolate people with uh, COVID and prevent the spread of this uh, infection. Um, these homes were also 
uh, lacking in proper PPE uh, equipment, um, and their staff uh, were um, there weren't enough staff to look after the residents. The, the heartbreaking thing that we're learning is that uh, people in these homes during COVID were not receiving uh, proper care, and uh, many of them were not being fed or or uh, uh, given water um, or had their um, soiled diapers uh, changed uh, in a in an appropriate uh, manner. So everyone, even the the people that didn't catch COVID, were suffering at uh, Schlegel Villages, and that's why we brought the uh, lawsuit. Uh, Jane, I I know you can't comment on the specific lawsuit, but these are all things that uh, we've been hearing throughout, basically. Absolutely. I mean, we know that uh, the long-term care sector has been underfunded for a long time, and that, you know, homes regularly understaff even to what their normal staffing rates are. Um, it's been propped up for years by family members, private caregivers that were being paid to go in. And once COVID came, of course, those people disappeared. And so homes, um, which, you know, are required to be providing this care, weren't able to do that. Um, so that's certainly, you know, with respect to the sort of ongoing care. And I totally agree uh, with respect to sort of the issues going on. The homes didn't have PPE. They weren't giving them out. I don't know the specifics of this home. But certainly in general, we were hearing um, from many places and from residents where they were telling us that, you know, PPE was locked away. Their staff was coming in. They weren't wearing the proper um, gowns and, and things. And, and if you talk to hospital folk and you talk to long-term care folk, the precautions taken in hospitals are continue to be extremely different than what is going on in long-term care today. Well, uh, in terms of the PPE, I saw an allegation, Gary, that they were actually instructed to reuse it. Well, yeah, they simply didn't have enough, and uh, they had to uh, ration it, and uh, they were reusing it, which is totally against common sense uh, once again. And uh, that's the reason that uh, in these homes, um, so village of Aaron Meadows uh, only had 180 beds. 90 people were infected in this home and 21 people died. Um, Aaron Meadows Lodge, again, only 86 beds. Uh, 40 of the residents were infected and 21 deaths. And uh, a further Schlegel Villages uh, a home, a village of Humber Heights in Etobicoke, again, 192 beds, 86 infections, and 23 deaths. And we've issued a, a class action with respect to that home as well. So um, they had a real problem in preventing the spread of uh, this infection, and they could have easily taken the preventive steps. Has your class action been certified? No, it hasn't. The uh, courts uh, remain closed, so that uh, once the courts uh, reopen, we'll be bringing an application for certification, and we expect um, all three class actions to certify ultimately. What is the status? I remember a couple of weeks back we were talking about the nursing homes, both for-profit and not-for-profit are looking for indemnification against lawsuits resulting from COVID-19. Uh, what's the status of that, Jane? Do you know? 
Um, I, I don't think that that went anywhere. There was there was talk, but I'm not aware of any legislation that was passed or even introduced. I think there was a discussion, but it didn't seem to on anywhere, and hopefully it's not going to. Gary? Uh, yeah, that's exactly the same thing. It was floated. There's never been any legislation. Um, and beyond that, you know, floating it to the public in June, uh, there haven't been any further steps. I, I would... Uh, um, I would suspect that it's not going to go anywhere. Um, knowing how Doug Ford feels about getting to the bottom of these uh, issues at nursing homes, uh, I don't think he's going to provide them with indemnity. And if he does, that's going to be an issue in the courts uh, for sure. Uh what the homes were saying when they were looking for this is saying, if if we don't get this, we will have to shut down. We will never get insurance. Uh, is that a is that a reasonable argument? Well, I mean, I think. Go ahead. I was, I was, uh, you know, the, that's up, you know, between them and their insurers, and there's certainly other ways of insuring. You know, hospitals have their own insurance through. Um, a company. So and there's other ways of doing things. And, and um, you know, that if, if they can't get insurance because they're poor actors, I think that's a big problem. Um, Gary, do you have a view of that? Yeah. So for what has occurred, all of these homes are insured and have insurance. Uh, and uh, I haven't heard of any insurance companies saying that uh, they're not going to provide insurance in the future. This is often arguments that are used, uh, you know, to try to get indemnity. Um, but um, it, it would be it would be a tragedy if the government was to provide indemnity to these homes who were so clearly deficient and below the standard of care. Um, they don't they don't deserve uh, immunity for their actions. Quite frankly, they were quite uh, uh, reprehensible, uh, these homes that have the problems. Because I, I, I want to point out that not all homes are uh, have problems. There's, there's over 600 uh, long-term care facilities in Ontario, and well over 50% have zero infections and zero deaths. So it's a small number of uh, nursing homes that didn't follow the proper procedures and protocols that are having the problem. Okay, so it is a small number. Now, one of the things I, 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 I don't know if this is a, a kind of a deflection or what, but there seems to me a real emphasis on the design and the bricks and mortar. And, and yes, we know that in older homes where people were four to a room, obviously that's not a good thing. But Jane is, is there too much emphasis being put on bricks and mortar rather than the management of these places? Well, I think it's certainly a combination. Um, you know, it's sort of hard to know. Um, in you know, in it's, it's, you can't really say that if they're all the bricks and mortars or they're all the management. I think it's a combination of both. Um, for my understanding, and, and Gary can correct me, is that general Sorry, Jane, we're losing you. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, sorry about that. Um, the Schlegel villages tend to be newer homes um, for the most part. Um, the ones that I've been in have certainly have been newer designs. Um, 
you know, they certainly tout themselves as being, you know, the, the, the latest and greatest. Um, uh, they've been involved in the staffing um, projects and everything. So, you know, you really question. It, it's not necessarily um, just the, the facility. I mean, a lot of it is the facility in these older homes. It's not only just the four bedrooms, it's the small hallways, it's the air you know, air ducts and all that sort of thing. But there is a huge part is the management. And, if, for example, if you can't get PPE, you can be the nicest home around. But if people are not getting the proper equipment and not being allowed to use it, uh, you're going to still have problems. Gary, the, the other argument that keeps coming up is, okay, so um, if, if you have these uh, huge lawsuits and if you put companies out of business, where, where are these residents going to go? Well, the, you know, the purpose of uh, lawsuits is uh, to get compensation uh, for the individuals and their families that have been so profoundly affected. Um, it's, it's not to put uh, anyone out of business. It's to fix the system. Um, most of the people that have uh, contacted me, they want to do this because they want to change things in the future. And it's to ensure that we... Uh, responsibility is taken, that there's accountability for what occurred, and most importantly, that there's positive change for the future, because these are our parents and grandparents. They definitely deserve better. Um, they've given so much uh, to Canada over the course of their working lives that in this moment, when they're vulnerable and elderly, they deserve a better standard of care. And that is the primary objective of the uh, lawsuit. And uh, the studies that are now going on with the government and the public inquiry, hopefully all of that leads to positive change in the future. Uh, I'd like to give the numbers out again. And uh, audience, uh, you know, we have people who are very engaged in the whole issue of long-term care. What do you think about another $20 million lawsuit against Schlegel Homes for wrong, wrongful death. Uh, frankly, I'm interested and relieved to hear that, that this, this business of indemnifying the homes against COVID actions uh, doesn't appear to have gone anywhere. That seems to make sense to me. What do you think? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Also interested to hear, uh, for those of you who have been able to get back in to see loved ones, how is that going? And I know that there are also, as Jane mentioned, a lot of people who were family caregivers and uh, are having difficulty getting that status again and what's happening to people in the meantime when they're missing out on the care that they usually get from family. Uh, it's all, uh, it's, it's all still a mess. I'd have to say 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And, uh, Jane, what do you see as the role of lawsuits in trying to get to some kind of fix? Well, I think that, you know, homes have become very complacent. Um, unfortunately, the um, oversight by the Ministry of Long-Term Care has not been what we had hoped uh, when the new legislation came in. Um, there's no teeth to it. And, you know, homes have, you know, really learned that, you know, 
if they don't comply, um, you know, really nothing happens to them. We have 30,000 people on waiting lists uh, trying to get in, so they can certainly fill the beds. They get the government money. So, you know, there's really has been no impetus for them to do a lot of changes, um, frankly. And so I think, you know, the lawsuits are really going to be, you know, calling to task and saying, look, you cannot get away with this anymore. And, and this is certainly things we've heard from the government. Oh, we can't have fines because, you know, we just sort of have to allow them to keep going because, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, and, and we need to, to get them to sort of sit up and say, hey, you know, we need to do better. And, and this is the way we're going to have to do it. Um, you know, the, the government oversight has not worked. Has not worked. Uh, and uh, Jane, you know, yesterday we heard about uh, some more beds, fast tracking some beds uh, th- that will be done in conjunction with Humber River Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's a little drib and drab. But have you seen anything uh, in terms of changing that, what you're talking about, making sure that the re- regulations have teeth and the oversight is effective? Uh, there hasn't been any change. You know, we know that in the last couple of years, in fact, the inspection process has gotten weaker. Um, you know, when we we look at inspection reports, and, and I certainly don't look at all reports for all 620-odd homes, um, but when I do look at reports, it's, it's very frustrating because, you know, things where we are absolutely appalled um, about uh, occurrences, um, a home, for example, um, had 50, over 50% of the prescriptions in the homes had not, uh, medications had not actually been prescribed for people. The prescriptions had run out and nobody had been prescribed. And, and the minister really did nothing about it. And, and that's a very serious issue that can have very serious consequences. So, you know, we really need to, um, you know, we've, you know, gone to the ministry and they seem to have really backed off. They're not doing, you know, um, annual, uh, full, inspections anymore. They're relying on people complaining or homes um, putting in uh, critical incidents. That's just not sufficient. We need oversight. We need teeth. And it's just not happened. Um, There's legislation sitting on the books that might have maybe been a push with some monetary penalties that this government has not enacted that. Um, And we've never, you know, we've, we've had all those problems. And yet we've not seen any, for example, charges laid, either through criminal code or through provincial offenses, which are both available. And, and um, you know, we've had how many deaths? Thousands. And yet it's, there's no charges. That's yeah, that, that's uh, an important point, uh, Libby, that I want to follow up on. Can uh, I just, uh, sorry, I had just clicked on a call from Andrea, so we'll get to that point uh, after we hear from Andrea. Hello. Hi, Libby. Um, what makes me madder than anything is why nobody has asked Minister Fullerton to be accountable for this. Like, she still has her job. She's still collecting a lovely paycheck, I'm sure. And she just stands there with the premier, which is very nice of him to to back her up. But why isn't her neck on the chopping block? She uh, she uh, knew about this. I, if she says, "Oh, we've been working on it," is that good enough? As a Ontarian, that for me is no way good enough. I'm a senior. I, I told my daughter, "I will die at home before you put me in a long term care home." I will die. 
Okay, Andrea, I'm going to put that question uh, to our uh, expert guests. Okay, good. There And there was speculation that Minister Fullerton would have to go, but um, uh, nothing on that. And she is appearing with uh, Doug Ford all the time. And, you know, their refrain is that this was this was a problem that's decades in the making. But I believe what Jane was just talking about, which is inspections, uh, th- that's something that happened under under their watch, correct? That's correct. And um, yeah. Gary, so, uh, uh, so before we get to your uh, previous point, do you want to answer Andrea? Uh, that's uh, that's an excellent point. Uh, there hasn't been any accountability, and there and there should be because this isn't a problem just since March uh, the 16th. Uh, this is a long-standing problem. So, for example, Village of Aaron Meadows, they had been investigated by the Ministry of Long-Term Care over 60 days in 2018 and 15 days in 2019. And this is all in relation to individual complaints. So the ministry, after they did their investigation, they issued 22 notices. They entered... 12 voluntary plans of correction, and six compliance uh, orders. So these problems were well-known, except nothing ever changed. And when COVID hit in March, um, this home was not prepared, and many other homes were not prepared. Um, there ought to be some accountability, and and uh, and there the, the, the should be fines. And there, there should be investigations into the people that were responsible. And, and there has to be some uh, accountability for what has occurred. There's no two ways about that. Until that happens, this problem is not going to be fixed. Uh, let me ask you this. You were just about to talk about the possibility of criminal charges. So go ahead. Well, um, when Doug Ford gave his uh, press conference after the military report uh, came out. That was back in May. And that report was just devastating. It sort of focused in on uh, uh, five individual long-term care facilities where the care has been so appalling that, uh, you know, the military felt compelled to deliver that report. Um, Doug Ford said at that time that he was referring one matter to the uh, coroner's office for an investigation, and uh, all the uh, the results of the investigation would be turned over to the police and uh, the Crown Attorney's Office. Um, I don't know that anything has been done um, along those lines yet, um, but it, it should be done. Um, it, it, uh, it needs to be done if there are people that uh, need to be held accountable, this is the perfect time to do that, because that's the only way things are going to change. Jane, do you agree we need uh, to see uh, people in jail for this? Um, Well, we certainly need to see criminal charges, for sure. Um, uh, You know, there are situations and predating uh, the the, uh, pandemic where if that person had been living in a home, the family members would have been charged for sure. Um, we have never seen um, homes being charged for, you know, this neglect that goes on. You know, I'm not talking about even the COVID. It's the, you know, the failure to feed, the failure to bathe, the, you know, leaving people in feces and, you know, having 
dying from bed sores because of it. Um, we have never seen criminal charges. If that happened in your home, you would be charged. And so we do need to see it because people need to be held accountable. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, Gary, uh, assuming that your lawsuits are certified, how many plaintiffs would you expect? How many people would you expect to be included in it? Or, yeah. So the, the, once the claim is certified as a class action, we would represent then all the uh, residents and all the family members of the residents, uh, unless they decided to opt out of the uh, class action lawsuit. So in the uh, um, uh, case of uh, Aaron Meadows, um, there are 21 deaths. Um, and so the estates of those residents who passed away and the family members of uh, those residents would all be class members unless they opted out. We've also gone beyond um, the the deaths at the home. We've uh, brought our action on behalf of... Uh, people who contracted COVID and, and subsequently uh, recovered, so they are included uh, in the uh, class action lawsuit. And because of the appalling conditions in some of these homes, we're bringing an action on behalf of all the residents of the home because we're saying they were paying for services that were not being provided. So it's very distressing to hear from family members uh, that their parents uh, are not being fed, they're not being showered, uh, they're being left in soiled diapers. Um, with respect to those residents, the claim would be for a return of the uh, rental income that uh, they were paying because they were not being provided with the services that they ought to have. Jane, um, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, I think that, uh, you know, they think that... Uh, the sort of community at large should be up in arms about this. I think that people should be demanding uh, change in the long-term care sector. Um, you know, we will see some of it through uh, potentially through the commission, although it's a very short time frame. It's not a public inquiry, so it's uh, unclear how much we'll get. Um, but I think that you know the ministers do need to be held accountable, and I agree with the caller that, um, you know, this minister hasn't done a lot and to say that, oh, well, you know, with somebody else, well, what were you doing in the time, you know, uh, since the government came in? I don't think they did much. And uh, Gary, will uh, just uh, before we go, give us a sense of the timelines for, for these lawsuits. Well, these, these lawsuits do take uh, way too long. Um, they're usually never as a result of uh, the plaintiff's side because we want to get these matters uh, um, investigated and pushed along. But, you know, we're facing a backlog with the courts. Uh, the courts are closed. They have been for five months. Once they get reopened. I thought they were a, reopened. Well, they've, they're, they're reopened for emergency situations. Uh, they're certainly not open uh, with respect to uh, trials, so you have to justify your matter to be uh, to be heard. Um, and uh, there was a huge backlog even before COVID, which is only going to be worse. Um, and I'm not sure how the courts are going to uh, adapt uh, to that. Uh, so these cases uh, do take uh, a lot of time. They can go on for years and years. Uh, um, I would like to see 
the matter um, pushed on as quickly as possible, and we will be doing that. Uh, but we need cooperation of the defendants, and we need the cooperation of the courts. Uh, and um, that's I'm, I'm foreseeing a, a problem in, in both respects. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know, unfortunately, no more than a few days go by, and there is more on the long-term care file that we have to cover here on Fight Back. And, uh, you know, I look forward to the time when when the story is that things are getting better and we, we don't have to talk about this so often, but I don't see it on the horizon. In the meantime, thank you so much, Jane Medes and Gary Will. Thank, thank you very you. much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.